All right. Hello, hello, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. But the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. I think they're great human beings throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang, this guest is a first today. So, you know, I I like to have people with eclectic backgrounds and different professions. This is our first former priest on the line today. He now runs a company as a CEO of a global coaching company called Evolution Evolution, intentionally named Evolution twice, and he'll explain why. You know, he just believes very, very deeply in, in both his, you know, professional and personally, our continuous evolution of seeking what brings us fulfillment and joy. We'll talk to him about what that means. He does a lot of speaking as well, and I'm just Thrilled to have this guest on the podcast. Please welcome none other than Brian Bashand to the podcast. Welcome, Brian. Excellent. Alex, thanks so much for the warm welcome. I was so, so looking forward to our conversation today. And you get an A+. plus. You pronounce the last name perfect. So <laughs> A+, plus without even asking in advance how to do it. Great job. Nice. You know, I know uh, a lot of people, yeah. Probably is it French? What is it? Uh, how do you how do you pronounce? But um, I, I try to get good. So you know, I, I took a risk there. So I'm glad I landed it. You landed well. It was a good risk. <laughs> so a lot of uh, your message, Brian. So I, I love that first line in your profile. You're just you know really on a on a mission on helping people you know discover and understand what makes them fulfilled in life, in their professional lives, in their personal life, and and it's an evolution, you know, it's a big question, like what really fulfills you? And that's a really super big question for people. So, and a lot of times in, in sales, a lot of times, you know, I, I know uh, some of my friends, they're not really thinking of what they sell as like, you know, kind of this life's purpose fulfillment. That's a lot of big stuff. So, you know, my first question, Brian, like for you, like what does living a fulfilled life mean to you? And what, what does that really look like? And maybe what has it looked like in your, in your life so far? Yeah, great question. So, you know, on, a, on another podcast interview I did once on, it was on the CBC and Sirius XM radio, I was asked a similar question. And I didn't realize when I heard the interview back, I really heard a line that really fulfills that for me. And it's simply, when you stand in your truth and you embrace what's in your heart, then you're free to do what you need to do. So for me, living a fulfilled life is about standing in your truth, owning truly who you are and owning what you desire to do. And that has really been kind of the navigation of how I've lived my life, how I've been able to make courageous, conscious change and how I continue to evolve going forward. And that's a really simple framework. So I'm sure there's questions that we want to ask ourselves to know, like, what is our truth? Like, what it really that is? So tell the, the listeners a little bit about kind of, I gave them a little tease. You were a former priest. Maybe before that, I don't know, kind of like 
you know, kind of how that evolves. So maybe give us a little bit of your background of kind of how your, you know, personal career maybe has evolved from personal and professional life has evolved from, you know, even before that to like wanting to do something as big, like a big life decision to, to say that's my truth. And, and to now, you know, be uh, owning a business and, and kind of, you know, outside of that, how, how did that evolve for you? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it's been one step at a time. So I'm originally from Boston. I was born and raised in Boston. After university, uh, made the decision to apply to the seminary to study to become a priest. And it was a five-year program. And every year I went through the seminary, it really was a very confirming experience about my desire to serve others. I felt my skills, my leadership, everything was aligning personally and professionally to reach that moment to then be ordained a priest. And, you know, when I was ordained a priest, I was sent to a parish for four years, which I loved. I was very young and was on the front line, so to speak. So, you know, I did lots of speaking, lots of engagement. I really think that's where the sense of sales really started because you're selling a message. You're selling a sense of inviting people into looking to their lives and a path uh, forward. But it was also a sense of really being of service in a profound way. In the last four years, I served as the private secretary to a cardinal from the Vatican. So I was kind of like the chief of staff. So when he went to go meet with the Pope, I was the one that organized the meeting was there. When he was in Rome, I was in Rome handled all the day-to-day running of his activity. And it was a very, very important role at a very young age. So obviously I was being groomed for a lot. But one night I was out for a walk. Uh, We had come back from an event. We were back by where we lived. And I remember seeing, I was dressed casually and I was out for a little walk just to get some clear in my head. And I saw these two couples come out of a restaurant. And they had just come, obviously, from work. They had their work bags. They were saying goodnight. And I remember standing on the sidewalk, seeing that, and there was this overwhelming sense inside of like, I want that. That's what I desire next. I wasn't fulfilled in the sense of the work I was doing. I was very good at as a priest, and I really knew I was loved. But I also knew I wanted to bring my gifts and I wanted to bring my heart to be able to love another person as well. And I knew at that moment, there was something inside of me I had to take a look at. And that's what I always begin by saying, what do you desire? And I remember reflecting on that after I left that sidewalk, what do I desire next? And obviously fear and a lot of other things came knocking at the door as you kind of look at that. But there's that sense of when you really ask yourself what you desire and are open to that, that's where we are always led to help us feel fulfilled. Mm, Wow. You know, I think uh, sometimes we think like, you know, maybe desires could be like a negative thing or a bad thing, like desires, you know, yeah, we all want these great things or desires or things that like maybe, you know, really aren't realistic or something like that. And so, you know, I'm, you know, curious for you, maybe kind of what things were you kind of telling yourself to know, like to get to that place where like, okay, I, I know, okay, that like my life really, like something's uncomfortable. I know that this isn't it. You saw that 
couple they, that person and you're like I, I want that but you you don't necessarily kind of act on you don't know how to get from where you are as a priest to that or what the vehicle is to get to that so you know what questions did you kind of ask yourself and i'm kind of like going down the lines because we can kind of connect this eventually to sales to kind of like understand you know how people can take actions on some of the things that really make them fulfilled whether that's in their current role or maybe you know um just in their lives so right so i love that you asked that question and it's it's such a critical and important one because true there are certain desires that can pop up that you're like oh i want to do this and you don't want to just some there are certain ones that that can if you act on it's like an impulse it is not the right decision so for me in that particular i'll just speak from my own experience to help illustrate and answer your question so for me there was this desire of like okay i'm really good at what i do i know i'm highly respected i'm being groomed for more but i'm desiring to live my life in a different way. I wanted to own my truth, to say no, my truth as, as a gay man. I wanted to love another person. I, didn't, I wanted to be free. I wanted to bring my gifts in a new way out. But I'm like, how do I do this? I've invested so many years into studies. I'm being groomed for more leadership. I don't even know what I would do. I, as a priest, you don't make a lot of money, so you don't have a lot of savings. How do I move forward? How do I write a resume? All these wonder ifs of different things. And am I just in a moment of feeling like any of us can be, whether you're married, whether you're in a job that sometimes you think you see something a little shiny thinking, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. But what happened is it kept coming back. It kept coming back. It kept kind of gnawing. So when things kind of keep gnawing if there's that whisper that starts to grow and it's there you have to pay attention to it it will keep showing up until we show up to listen to the message mm -hmm. so what i did is i actually spoke to a couple people that i respected and i trusted because when you have a feeling of something that you do desire you're not sure what it is the worst thing is to talk to someone they start asking you so many questions that you start going into self-doubt you know I needed people that could be non-judgmental, that could really just listen. And one of the things that came out of that was a sense of a deeper desire to test what I really was thinking professionally. So I, I worked with a professional therapist, a psychologist, just to look at my decision. Am I in the right place? Am I just in a moment of crisis, you know, or, or where am I? And what happened is, is that I started to unpack that desire. I started to see that, wow, there really is something here that I do want to go into the new direction. To look at the fears that were holding me in that moment and to start to look through them. And that gave me the space, gave me the peace to then take inspired action to start to put together a plan. Mm -hmm. And I knew my desire was to go to New York City. I knew if I was going to leave, that's where I wanted to live. And that gave me the inspiration to start looking at opportunities and putting together the next steps. So it's really important. That took over a year of, yeah. from that moment on the sidewalk to then moving out. And I wanted to do things all the right way. I wanted to make sure I was being honest to myself and respectful to the church so I can move forward with no baggage and make sure that I was in a very clear space to, for the next chapter of evolution for Brian. Yeah, 
I heard something like you will never fulfill your purpose in life without fear. You know, like we all have it. Like, you know, you probably were just, yeah. Like you, you, when you said something which just kept on gnawing at you, gnawing at you, a lot of times we just don't pay attention to those things. You're like, you know, yeah, like that would be nice, but my life is this, what I've made it. And, and, and that's just too big of a, of a jump and stuff like that. But you said something like you wanted to give yourself peace. You wanted to, you didn't want to, you know, people to ask you questions and self-doubt yourself. You wanted to be able to get your, yourself in a place of peace where you could then make that decision, you know, whether it was to, you know, keep doing what you were doing or, you know, to do something else. Maybe you didn't know what that something else is. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about the kind of what you do now currently with, uh, you know, evolution, evolution. I'm curious, like, because we, we talked a little bit about that. You're, you know, so on InSync, kind of what I'm talking about is like looking at sales and some of these just business and personal situations as uh, sales situations, but really you're, you're connecting with people. We're not even realizing that. And I even think the therapist, when they were asking you certain questions, they were convincing Brian that I could get outside and do this thing outside of the seminary. So they were asking you some of the right questions. So talk to me a little bit about kind of what you do with your coaching and kind of how you, you know, maybe convince other people, you know, in your practice. And maybe I don't know if convincing is the right word, but kind of nudging them enough in the right way that they're compelled to action, what that looks like. Sure. Yeah, great question. And just one closeout comment to yeah. close out. Yeah. We're speaking yeah. about, and we'll jump right into that is I just leave this for everyone who's listening. Desire is simply an invitation to look at what may be calling you forward. Ooh, Desire like is simply an invitation to look at what may be calling you forward. It doesn't mean that you have to have the whole plan. It doesn't mean that will be what you will end up. But there's something there that's calling you to look inward, to look at where you're at and what might be possible. So I just want to close out there because sometimes when there's a desire there, we need to look at it, but it doesn't mean that's where we're going to end up. So yeah. do you think the first step is then reaching out to other people to kind of like bounce that desire, like, and just maybe kind of close it off with like what you, you said you went to kind of maybe a, a therapist to kind of talk it out. Do you think it's, it's one person, it's a network of people. How should you kind of suss out some of the desires to see if they're worth I think it's going to vary on every, on every individual. For me, I had a couple core people that I could speak to that I just, you know, I knew some of them were in business, some of them were good friends. So I knew they gave me good insights. The therapist was one person, but I think it's important as you're looking at kind of uncovering what the desire is, hold your cards close. And I don't mean that you, you don't need to share it with the world. Because as you're trying to look and see what's happening, sometimes when you share it with too many people, there are too many other questions that come in that can be very kind of disturbing or, your, or can help you doubt what you're saying. So for each person is different. I say start small, start tight, make sure you have what you need. It can also come in the form of listening to great podcasts, books, you know, other teachers and guides that can help guide you. But I would say, hold it to yourself and make sure that whoever you do share it with are people that be non-judgmental and truly open to hearing what you have to say. And then the last, before you get to that question that I just asked, I'm curious, because you're making me think of a couple of things. What was it like that the day that you really made the move from that life 
was there one day? I, I'm sure it was a series of things leading up, but what was that day like? So the day I actually left moving out of the cathedral in Boston <laughs> to go to New York City yeah. with my things piled up in this little rental truck that I had to go to New York was an amazing day. I was very peaceful. A few weeks before that, they were quite challenging. Most of the people that I had shared the news with that I was leaving were very supportive, but there were some from family that were not, and wow. there was some hostility there. But I had a peace because I knew I was doing the right next step in my life. And the hardest part was not that day. Everyone always thinks, oh, what was that day like? Now that day was amazing because I was excited. So I had great. a job. I yeah. was going to New York. It was actually that kind of like gray period, the few weeks before leaving, where you kind of felt you were in two worlds, like you're still living in the church world, doing some things, but at the same time, you're signing a contract for a new job in New York, you're looking for an apartment, and you just want to move in that direction. So for me, it was a great sense of relief and liberation the day I actually left and never cool. doubted it. So, you know, you went from the, maybe, yeah, explain kind of where you went from there and then, and then maybe what you're doing today, like how you, you coach people to find out, find their truth. Absolutely. And that will tie right into to your question. So I left New York, I landed a job in the world of philanthropy, raising money for medical research. And oh, so I was a director at American Cancer Society, went on to become executive director at NYU Medical then executive director for a $2 billion campaign in Toronto, leading one of their major portfolios. So for me, all of a sudden, I'm in a world of sales in many ways. You know, you're asking companies and individuals to invest huge, huge amount of money into a product, into services. And I have to say, really what enabled me to be able to do that, I had no experience in fundraising and different things, but I was hired because of my ability to build relationships. And that is the number one area. The people that I found that struggled in the kind of developing and raising money were those that were forcing it. You know, when you connect in a way of just having a wonderful open conversation. When you connect with really inviting them in to hearing why they might be interested, really changed everything. And that's how I approached it. And I was never forceful. I certainly was deliberate and maybe my follow-up and how I engaged, but it was always that sense of inviting them in to a mission inviting them in to how this can impact them and also have a very strong ROI too, especially if you're giving a substantial amount of money for how that makes an impact. But when you connect at that level, that changed everything. And I think that's the reason why I was successful because I just took that approach and really made a difference. So when I founded Evolution Evolution, I desired to unite all of that. I love working with individuals, especially those who are in leadership that are leading teams that want to make an impact and want to bring their expertise, but also bring a different spirit to the organization in their work. So what I do is I work with individuals to make sure that they are fully aligned personally and professionally to make that impact. And so I work a lot of times with you know, new CEOs or people who are in leadership 
that have a tremendous intellect, tremendous expertise, but they're desiring that they want to also impact those around them in a new way. And so I work with them to talk about their presence of how are they cultivating that in the workplace? How are they bringing that kind of their highest form of fulfillment into their work and also how it impacts others? At the same time, I sometimes work with individuals that might be in a golden handcuffs. You know, they're making a lot of money and they feel they want to go in another direction is that desire. But all that fear of, well, what if I step away? I'll lose all this money. I've invested so many years. In five more years, I'll have even this more money in the stocks that I've, I've already had. And really looking beyond the fear and seeing what is calling them next. What is that desire to help them move forward? Because if there's anything that's happened through the pandemic, the pandemic was the great pause for all of humanity. And every single human being has had to do some inner work and face things. All the distractions that we could do of taking a trip or you know, meeting friends every night for dinner and drinks or different things, that stopped for a while. And we all had to face things internally. And the same is true professionally, that there are often, there's an aspect inside that is different. And we're dealing with a different work culture now than we did two years ago. Humans have changed. And the old way of doing things is not going to sustain. Humanity has a different approach. And people want to align themselves with their values, with their expertise, and their gifts as they move forward. It's so well said. You know, I think uh, you said something that I think I haven't heard a ton of, but it's such an interesting framework. You're, you're inviting people to a mission or what you're doing in the nonprofit. And I, I imagine you're doing that now in your coaching business. You're inviting people to this mission of discovering themselves and understanding them their purpose a little more deeply and, and understanding kind of what their what they want their legacies to be maybe or what they want to put out into the world, you know, and, and, and how will the world be different for us living in it and that sort of thing. I feel like just when you sell and, and you sell in a way where it's just, I'm inviting you, look, you know, if this isn't, if you don't want to go on this mission and, and here's, you know, here's what the mission is, here's what is involved in it? Here's the impact that this mission is going to have, and to you personally, and maybe to the world. You know that that's just an invitation. It's not a demand. That's so much different than a like um, you're, you're just a contract or like just a, a product pitch or features white paper. That's just a very open way to you know connect with people because you're you're just kind of making it uh, again, just a kind of about not you, not even them. It's just this overall kind of, you know, goal that you see them you know, needing. And so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested about, you know, kind of like, so tell me now, like Brian, how do you kind of sell to someone new, you know, kind of going on this mission? You're maybe doing coaching to these CEOs and things like that. What is your you know, kind of first way to build that relationship, because you said that was some of the keys, you know, in the nonprofit arena. And now I'm sure in this, you know, tell me what that, you know, kind of style uh, looks like for you, maybe when you're reaching out to CEOs, and maybe even nonprofits, what themes were, were there? 
Yeah, so I would say most of the individuals that I work with on the individual side, because I do things with teens as well, but I'll just okay. focus on individuals to answer okay. this question. You know, are individuals who are in the for-profit space, you know, who are in the private sector. So, you know, individuals that are leading, you know, massive companies, pharmaceutical companies, insurance, law firms, et cetera. And, you know, I remember this one CEO, it was quite interesting. This particular individual had been a CEO of a billion dollar publicly traded company, had decided to leave and then go out to start their own company. And, and I met this person a few years ago, et cetera. And I saw in the news that, you know, they had left and they were going out. So I just sent a note intuitively. And that's a big part of sales too, that I often speak about. I've spoken about before. Yes, you need strategic plans. You need to have your quarterly targets, but sometimes intuitively you'll get a nudge about something. Always follow it. And that's been some of my greatest leads in sales as well. And it was in that moment when I saw this online article about this individual leaving, I said, huh, I'm going to send them a note. So I did. And uh, they responded. And all of a sudden they said, yeah, you know, I'm actually looking to to work with someone. It's part of something I really want to invest in. And they said, what's the difference if I work with you as opposed to one of the big companies I know about? And I said, very simple, two things. First of all, my approach is you are always fully one. You just can't separate when you're in business mode. This is my business personality and this is my you know, personal way of approaching things. When you show up fully aligned and own who you are fully, then you have the greatest impact as a leader. And that's the approach I take. Second, I'm not afraid to shine lights on areas where you need to see certain things. And I said, as CEO and in leadership positions, you get told yes a lot. People nod all the time around tables and different things. And I said, working with me, I will be your greatest advocate, but I will also be the person that will shine light onto some of the rocky cliffs that your ship might be going towards. It's up to you to take the wheel on the ship and to steer it in a new direction. But I will shine that light bright and not be afraid to say that. And that was the moment the CEO said, you're hired. And I think that's where I spend a lot of time with the leaders is because I invite them into listening. But one of the biggest things for leaders, they're lonely. And I really have to say that there is a loneliness there that the higher you go into a leadership role, the more your gifts and natural strengths are highlighted, but also some of the areas that are maybe areas of growth get triggered the most. And, and that is something that so many leaders start telling themselves stories like, I should have this figured out. I can't talk about this because they're going to think I don't know what I'm doing. And that's where I come in because a lot of that is about just owning the reality of the situation and seeing what you need to look at. And I'm a firm believer that when you take that approach, it makes the greatest impact. And I also teach every session begins with a breathing exercise to help bring the anxiety down, to help them be focused, a sense of gratitude, which in return has resulted, they bring that into their teams, into different environments, which has just been transformational. Tell me a story about kind of like someone you've worked with, maybe an executive who is, you know, not to mention names, but it's just curious because 
you know, it seems like just on the surface, something like that, like a, a CEO just kind of like having somebody to talk to, to share things like, you know, maybe how much really could Brian kind of move if that, if that, you know, some people think executive coaching maybe is just a sounding board for like ideas and stuff like that. They're not really, you know, the, 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 at the end of the day, the CEO, that person is really, you know, kind of like just going with their gut at the end or they're using their expertise in the end. So what do you see kind of, I'll just ask it, maybe if you could maybe even share like a story, if you're willing, just of how, you know, kind of the outcome of, of working with you and what that kind of looked like for a person or maybe a team and, and why you think that was like, what was it you think that really kind of, you know, helped the most for, for kind of that CEO, for that team to, sure. to, to look at things. So two stories come to my mind, two brief stories. So the first one is regarding to a CEO, and this is a common trait. So for any CEOs are, that are out there listening, you know, they report to a board, you know, they report mm-hmm. to either, you know, board of trustees or board of directors, whatever it might be. And I would say, so much of their energy gets caught up in trying to sometimes deal with those boards and some of the issues that come up. Either it's the board chair, whether it's someone on the board that's causing an issue, whether they're trying to, you know, they're demanding on certain things. And so a lot of it is one of the things I did with one CEO who inherited an organization that was in a major deficit. And this CEO was brought on because of their expertise to get out of the red, which they successfully did in a very short amount of time. But they also inherited a dysfunctional board at times too. And, you know, in some of our sessions, we'd be talking about their upcoming board meeting and different things. And they're like, oh, but they're not listening to see us. They're not listening to me as I present this. Like, they're just not hearing it. And I said, great, you need to stop. This is your teachable moment. And what I did is I went back to the CEO that shared about when they applied for the job and this presentation they did that was one of the reasons they got hired that was so innovative and creative and they used humor and all these things. And that was one of the reasons the board brought them on. I said, guess what? You need to bring that into one of your board meetings. Teach them this particular area that they're not listening to in the same format you did like in your interview. And do it in a positive manner and release the outcome of how they're going to receive it. But know that you're going to feel better by the way you present it with your expertise, the facts, et cetera. That changed in a huge way of how they started to appreciate what they were bringing. They heard the message in a new way. But most importantly, what it did, it gave the CEO the confidence of a new way how to move forward. And I think that's part of working with me is part of that sense of saying, okay, like this is the frustration and I'm all about, okay, let's break that wall down and look at a new way. The second example is someone who is not a a CEO, but a very senior level person in a global company. And they hired me originally because they were making a lot of money, very successful, but they had a boss they couldn't stand a new boss had come in causing so much stress and it was extremely difficult and they wanted to look at other opportunities. But what really happened is that, yes, there were challenges with the new boss, but really what it was is that this particular individual is just getting so triggered because of some of their own aspects in the relationship. 
And it really was an opportunity for them to really look at a new way of engaging that individual. And they were avoiding conversations that they had to have, A, with themselves and with the boss. So we came up with strategies of how to approach that. And at the same time, we came up with some new strategies of how to do their team meetings that were getting quite challenging, especially with Zooms. And we began, I suggested about beginning a meeting about gratitude and something that someone had to say about everything about gratitude. Well, that ignited this joy in this leader and they let it out. And what it did for the team is that they started sharing at a deeper level than they had ever had more so than all their drinks after work or team outings and all the other things, that sharing of gratitude started to change at the meetings, how they interacted, how they listened. This leader that I worked with stayed on in the company and did not pursue other opportunities that they were looking at, developed a way to work with this particular individual, but realized it was more about them than about the individual. And that freed them to change the team in a new way as well. And so that's powerful. That's listening and that's aligning to truly be an evolved leader more than ever today. Wow, man. You know, that's so much, you know, organizations need that so much, that introspection, that that ability to, to kind of, you know, realize the change happens a lot. Of, if you want to change the other person, you know, you kind of start with changing yourself first, right? And a lot of times we just kind of write it off like I just can't deal with them. That's just never going to work. And when a lot of times it's like, okay, you know, you're not going to be best friends with everyone, but like, what do you need? What does the other person need? What are you doing that's triggering things for them? What are they doing that are triggering things in you? Let's be honest about those conversations. And the more that you're bringing them out, I bet that person, like, I, I guess, I bet you the, the boss kind of was, you know, really refreshed to see maybe a new approach of, of that person kind of communicating with them differently and not holding a, a lot in. Cause I think the relationships, you know, I've, I've also heard just really, yeah, un, relationships can't exist with unspoken things held in. You know, if we're really trying to connect, even though like that person saying my boss, yeah, I just can't deal with my boss would never say I, that to their boss, you know, mm-hmm. but they might need to hear that, you know, like, okay, let's talk about it. We're not going to, I'm not going to fire you for saying that, but like, maybe we don't word it like that, but it's like, okay, like if something's not right, you'd have even stronger relationships by talking through that hard stuff with that boss than to trying to deal with it, like from someone else. Right. So, you know, so. Right. And I think just one point on that too, is, you know, it doesn't mean that, yeah, sometimes there are, you know, professional situations you're in that it's just, you know, as they say, the writing's on the wall, like, okay, like this is yeah. not the right environment for me. I need right. to move forward. This isn't healthy. And I'm, that's very real. However, unless you do a little bit of that inner work, even in those moments, of saying, okay, why is this bothering me so much? How can I manage this? How can I grow in this very moment as I look for something else? If not, you're gonna carry that on to the next role. And that's what I shared. I said, you know, you need to work through this because yeah, you can get another job, you're highly desirable, but guess what? You're gonna carry this baggage into your next role. 
yeah. and there's going to be something yeah. else. And so it really helped open that up. So yeah, it's powerful and it really is an opportunity. Brian, kind of as we lay, uh, kind of wind down, I want to ask you a couple of questions. The, the, the main one, like when I'm hearing everything from the being a priest to the nonprofit executive director to what you're doing now in coaching, and, and there was, you know, uh, people would not even consider selling as a, a priest uh, as a thing, but it, it certainly is when you're really, um, you know, making that connection with parishioners in a way that really gets them to come back. A lot of times, you know, people go to church, um, a certain church because of the priest or that, that um, you know, that preacher, because they just feel that instant connection to them. So how would you sum up these experiences of creating a human connection with people? How would you define that? And what, what do you truly believe as the, you know, really essence of, of human connection? What, what is it? For me, the deepest powerful essence of connection is a sense of realizing that that person in front of you, whether it's the barista at Starbucks, whether it is someone, a colleague you're working with, your spouse, your child, your friend, is there for a reason. And you're there for a reason at that moment. Because if you weren't supposed to be there, you wouldn't be there. So that's human connection. When you see them and respect them at that moment, that you're there to bring light, you're there to listen, you're there to learn, sometimes to challenge, sometimes to be challenged, ourselves to grow. There's a reason why you're there. Never doubt that. Never doubt that those experiences, those connections are there for a reason. And when you live in that mindset of every person you encounter, it changes the way you see things and how you go about your day-to-day things. And that's human connection. You know, you can be on the phone. Maybe you have to call, you know, your cell phone company because there's an issue with your bill. And all of a sudden you look and you're like, I'm getting charged for all these things and da, da, da. So you call in kind of a bit of a ticked, like angry mode. You get on the phone, you wait, you press buttons, one for this, two for this. So that by the time you get a real voice, you're kind of irritated. But guess what? That's a moment to have a true human connection. And the way you approach that conversation, releasing the outcome, hopefully you get what you need out of it, is truly why you're here. And that is the impact. That's why sales work. People that enter in of seeking that way is the best way. There's nothing more that drives me insanely crazy is when I meet someone for the first time on a Zoom or something, and the first thing you say, what can I do for you? Well, nothing. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, I'm here just to connect. Let me learn a little bit about who you are and what you're doing. And I know it comes from a place of possibly trying to be of service, but in reality, the best way to connect is to say, I'm just so happy to meet you. I want to learn more about what you're about and then see what happens. Yeah. yeah. So that's the connection. Yeah. I hope that answers it for you. Oh, it's so, it, I love the answer. And I, I, I haven't heard it put like that. And like, some people think like, you, you know, maybe hearing that reason, like that's okay. Brian's a super religious dude. And he, you know, obviously he was a former priest and you don't have to be extremely oh. religious to believe that you were there for a reason. Like, okay. That's not to say like, maybe we could think that God, some other power put us on the zoom call together. Sure. But what you were saying is really, there is an importance of 
putting more intention into your interactions if you realize that there is a reason for you being on any in front of anyone right there's yeah. some reason maybe maybe it's for you to you know guide someone in a direction maybe it's for for you to kind of like give them a perspective that they've never seen before maybe it's just to be a friend and like you said listen i love how you just said i'm just so happy to be with you today and you know even if look, you don't know the person, but if you come from that warm place, that's how I am. I'm just smiling. Like, it's just, I'm excited to, to meet you. Like, 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 tell me a little bit about, you know, who, who you are and, and, and let me learn a little bit more about each other. And then organically, the other stuff comes around, you know, sure. If I can help you without anything, then it's like, yeah, yeah. I can't oh. think of anything, but I would completely come to you if I, if, you know, uh, you're, you just seem like a great person and great, great guy, great girl. And, uh, yeah, you know, if something comes, I, I would love it or something could, you know, kind of Absolutely. think, think uh, come to mind after that kind of an interaction, because you're more you know, open, you've created the conditions for that to happen. That's it, exactly. And the thing is, people, this works in business. It doesn't matter if you're running a gravel company, a car dealership, a law firm, it has to do with your clients. You might be thinking, well, really, like, I'm here to just get intake for people that are coming in to do appointments, you know, for, you know. That's an amazing opportunity yeah, to be an yeah, incredible yeah. human connector. Can you imagine, instead of just looking at them, oh, here's another one. Oh, this one's such a pain. You know, she always asks so many questions. Instead of greeting them with a smile and saying, oh, no, what do we need to do next? Okay, let me help you out here. And that's how you're going to grow. And when you see your clients in that way, even the most challenging of clients. And sometimes they're the ones that show you, well, those aren't the clients I want to work with anymore. I'm grateful I know that. Now I go in a different direction. That's how you grow. And we have to move in that direction. That's where I spend the time with the leaders and helping them see that. Because every person that you meet, every person you walk across on the street, there's a reason why it happened. So well put. My last question for you, Brian. I think we're all unique people. We have these great stories. So I, my final question is a fun question about you. If I, you know, went to your partner, or maybe a family member, and asked them, like, what is just so uniquely Brian? What is something, or some event in Brian's life? If I asked you, what is something that could only and would only happen to Brian? That is just so totally Brian. What is that one thing going to be for your partner or your family member? What are they going to tell me? You know, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I just put it out there. One of the things that always happens that people always say, oh, only you, only you. It's all about upgrades. And I know it's not so <laughs> funny. This phone or a car. Yeah, but upgrades with hotels. Oh, upgrades nice. at, you know, an airport. Upgrades on a flight. And it's not that I look for it, but it really is something that's always happened in my life. That, you know, you go to a restaurant and... They're like, you know, you go to the table, it's not great. It's, you know what? We have something better without even asking. And I think it's been something that's always happened in my life that I just, you know, you go to a place and all of a sudden things just evolve and go in a different direction. And I think it's because A, I don't seek it. And B, it's the way I approach going into the conversation. And I think that's just something that has just always happened in my 50 years of life that just amazing how it just has just been there ever since I was a child. I feel like, you know, when you make people feel happy, that they're going to want to make you, uh, they want to reciprocate it. So maybe that's it. I love, I love that. 
Brian, where, where can people kind of learn more about evolution, evolution and you and connect with you and tell you something about themselves that's just totally something uh, about themselves? Sure. So Alex, I am very active on LinkedIn and I encourage people connect to me on LinkedIn, send me a message, say that you heard my uh, conversation here with Alex and I connect and I'm really great about that. You can also reach out through my website that's going through an evolution to be updated, uh, but you can certainly send a message there at brian at evolutionevolution.com. And um, really, it doesn't have to be set agenda. I'm happy just to listen. There's a reason. If you made it to the end of this podcast and listen to this conversation, there's a reason. So take the next action, reach out and uh, happy to be connected. Such good advice. I'm so happy to be connected to you, Brian. And, and here's some more conversations. Thank you so much. My joy. All the best. All right. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.